Uh, well, we're in a series at the moment called uh, Elementary, and we're kind of camping out in Hebrews chapter 6 and those first few verses and using the things that the writer there tells us are the elementary truths uh, about Jesus as a kind of a framework uh, for, uh, for exploring. Uh, so we've been thinking about various different things. We've been thinking about what it means to turn to God. Uh, the, the, one of the basic things that he mentions, first of all, is repentance from the acts that lead to death. Then he talks about faith in God, and we thought not just about turning, but, but trusting, that active trust, that active clinging on to him. Uh, we thought about taking the plunge, and we've seen brothers and sisters take the plunge and stood with you, and if that's something that you're thinking about and praying through, we'd love to explore that uh, with you. Uh, and today I want to move on to the next one. Uh, he calls it, uh, in the, literally in the Greek, in the, uh, in the original language, the laying on of hands. So we're going to come to that in a moment, but before we do, we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 10 together. So if you've got a Bible with you, you might like to turn uh, to that. Hebrews chapter 10. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who were drawn near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once for all, and they would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It's impossible, sorry. For the blood... <laughs> Let me just clear that up. <laughs> kind of fundamental. It's impossible <laughs> for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, sacrifices and burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered once and for all the sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by that one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are also being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them in their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, and by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, 
And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly, not a great word, unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Don't you just love God's word? Incredible. Let's pray together. Lord, it is so important to us to know you more, to know your thoughts, and we thank you, Lord, in that uh, for the gift, and it is such a gift, of your word. And so, Father, would you open our hearts and minds afresh to see you, to know you, to grow in you, and to know more of your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we get the, the PowerPoint up, Rich? Is that okay? Fab. Uh, so today I want to think about this phrase that comes up in Hebrews chapter 6, and we'll dive back into that passage that we read uh, in just a moment. Uh, so if you had to list a bunch of things that were essentials, the kind of the elementary truths about Jesus, I'm not sure how many of us on a short list would add the laying on of hands to the fundamentals, to the basics uh, of the faith. So, so what's going on here? If there's such a, a disconnect between what we would write and this passage, we have to ask what, what the issue is, what the problem is. Well, it seems that in the early church, the way in which they, they prayed for people predominantly was by the laying on of hands. And so it wasn't like there was prayer and then a different type of prayer for the laying on of hands, that there were certain things that needed sort of a special prayer. It was so associated with prayer that this just becomes the way they talk about prayer. Uh, if you've been on the, uh, our YouTube site this week or, or on the blog, you know that we're, we're thinking about this at the moment. And if you're in small groups, which is a great way, the best way really, uh, to engage with, with the teaching and the series at the moment, uh, you'll know that often when we're taught to pray, we're taught to pray to put our hands together and close our eyes. And Tim and I have been in assemblies these past few weeks again after a long time of not being able to physically be there. And often at the end of the assembly, we say, let's pray. And instinctively, I don't know where it comes from, all these kids put their hands together and, and close their eyes. But actually that phrase appears nowhere in the Bible. It's far more common to, to lift our hands in prayer in the scriptures or to lay our hands in prayer on people. So what I want to do uh, this morning is, is to kind of outline what Hebrews has to say about prayer, and then next Sunday to dive in more specifically to this issue of the laying on of hands, what it's for, uh, who, who can do it, how, how it should be done. Uh, and I'm thinking we might have a bit of a practical session. So I'm just going to warn you of that straight away. Uh, if you're coming next Sunday, wash your hands because we're going to be using our hands uh, in, in the teaching. So that's your, that's your fair warning that we're going to be doing that. Uh, but for now, I want to think about prayer. And I want to think about four ways not to pray. Four ways not to pray. Years ago, I was invited to be, unbelievably, to be part of a band that was, um, that was playing for an event, and I was playing keyboard. 
And I was sort of uh, towards the back of the, the, the platform. And I was playing, and as I was playing, and the keyboard sounded really odd. Now, some of you will say that's not unusual when I play the keyboard, but there was a real sort of muffled sound coming from it. And I, I turned to the other people around me and said, does this sound odd, like more odd than usual? They were like, yeah, something sounds weird. So we did what we normally do in these situations and just glared at the sound team that were, that were sat at the back. And I said, does this sound weird to you? And they're going, no, it's nothing at all. And I nearly did the kind of the diva bit and said, I cannot worship in these conditions and, and storm. But I said, there's, some, there's something not, not right. So eventually they played with all the settings. They stood in different parts of the room. Uh, and eventually one of the uh, tech team came over to me and very graciously, very lovingly, just took the stack of books that was on the speaker and moved them off and, and just smiled and just walked back, which is a real gracious way uh, to deal with somebody who's got no idea about these complicated tech issues. And it's funny, isn't it? I think when it comes to prayer, the reality is all of us pray at some point. Studies even seem to suggest that the atheists in certain situations, people who would say, I don't believe there is a God, in certain situations will not risk it and will pray. But sometimes there's that sense, am I doing something wrong? I don't know if you've had that in, in your prayer life. Maybe <clears throat> when you've prayed for something and it hasn't happened in the way that you thought it would, am I praying wrong? Maybe you've been reading through the scriptures and, uh, and seen some of the tremendous promises that are attached to prayer. I mean, some of the most glorious promises in the whole of scripture are, are to do with prayer. And you've read them and thought, I, I feel like I'm, I'm doing it. Anybody felt like that at times? We all pray, but we'd love to pray better, wouldn't we? We'd love to be better at it. We had some uh, friends over last night, and uh, while they were there, somebody uh, walked up the drive to say that they'd left their windows open on their car. And so they said, oh, we'll, we'll shut the windows now. And they just walked over to the window and looked out, and the windows closed by themselves. I thought, we've got a Jedi in our houses. It's true, Jedis are real. And then they explained, I don't know if you know this or not, but this blew my mind that if you hold down the lock button on your car keys, if your windows are open, they'll close. Did you know that? You do not look blown away by that at all. I was, I, I was, it was like a magic trick. And if you hold down the open button on your keys, the windows will come down. You, guys, you're not getting it. So if you just hold down the button, it's absolutely amazing. I, 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 I figure of all the incredible dashboard that sits in front of me when I get behind the car, I probably use about five of the buttons and the levers and the things I can press. And there's so many, isn't there? And sometimes we can get that feeling when it comes to prayer as well. That there's, there's so much more to know. There's so much more to discover. There's so much more to explore. Finally, the other thing that's been up this weekend, because I know you're really interested in my weekend, uh, is I finally got around to cutting the hedge on our front lawn. So if you drove down today from Corrington, you probably saw it. It's a beautiful sight now. You probably wondered what kind of professional, precise perfectionist. And uh, so we, we finally got it done. But it's one of those jobs that you don't look, well, I don't, you don't look forward to doing it. And then after a while, it just looks like a mess and you feel bad for not doing it. You feel like you've let the street down, you've let the house down, uh, and finally got around to doing it. And one of the weird things is, I don't know if you have jobs like this in your life, you feel guilty about not doing it. And then when you have done it, you feel guilty for not doing it soon. I don't know if you have those kind of things. 
And sometimes we can feel like that about prayer. We know we should do it, and we do do it, but there's just this sense of guilt that we don't do it often enough or strongly enough or, or, or well enough. How, how can we pray, and how should we pray? Prayer is something that's been very much part of the headlines in, in recent years. Uh, this is a guy called John Lennox. He's a mathematician, a professor from Oxford University, and he frequently sits and talks with people uh, around this whole debate with science and, and religion. Uh, he's written a great book called God's Undertaker. Has science uh, buried God? Has it disproved God? And, uh, he writes about a, a staggering lack of honesty in the debate, that the debate is not between science and religion, it's between people who do believe in God and people who don't believe, but there's scientists on, on both sides. Uh, and one of the things that he said in, in a recent conversation was this, that one of the best kept secrets in modern science uh, is the well-documented health benefits of prayer. We know that when we pray, something happens to us, not just our, our mind, but uh, our, our whole body, our whole well-being, our whole mental health uh, can be affected. Uh, there's been a, a recent study, it was out uh, last month, uh, called The Science of Prayer, that was published in, uh, in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, and a guy from Harvard uh, Medical School uh, has been exploring this, and, and he said it, it's hard to prove prayer or to test for prayer. It, it's not what I've been doing, but I have been trying to see what the effects of prayer are. And his initial findings are this. The research, has been, the, the research that has been done on prayer shows that it can calm your nervous system shutting down your fight-or-flight response. It can make you less reactive to negative emotions and less angry. Isn't that incredible? This is the power of just pausing in our day, somewhere between the fight-or-flight response to reach out to God. It's documented, it's proven, you can research it. It makes, it actually makes a difference. Prayer changes things. So what's the best way for us then to pray? A few of us in our prayer time earlier were uh, mentioning the fact that we've been through a difficult season. The COVID, although it's taking a back seat at the moment, has, has taken a heavy toll uh, on all of our lives. And one of the interesting things that happened during the pandemic uh, is that people began to wonder, how, how can I pray? Uh, they were typing into Google, how can I pray, prayers, praying, prayer life. Uh, in fact, Google reported that as a trend, it suddenly peaked. It went up about a third as people all around the world, in about 95 countries this research is taken from, suddenly started to pray. You can see as well, can't you, there are other peaks, there are other times when people are searching for ways to pray. There are times when it drops right low again. Now, the truth is that we can look at that and, and criticize others, criticize the world and say, oh, see, when, when their back's against the wall, when there's nowhere else to turn, they will eventually have to turn to God. But if we're honest, that graph is not that dissimilar to our prayer lives. There are times when we put our prayer life, our, our awareness of our need for God on sort of high alert, isn't it? It's like we're on a high dependency of prayer. And other seasons when we can be quite prayerless. A report that was done on this time was entitled, um, In Crisis We Pray. <coughs> so one, one way not to pray uh, is involving God too late. 
is to have that kind of prayer life that just waits until there's a big need to respond to. Now, I love these words that come earlier uh, in um, Hebrews. We're going to think about a number of these verses from, from chapter 4. Uh, he writes there, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. It's interesting, isn't it? He doesn't say, therefore, since we have great issues, since we have great needs, since we have great troubles. He says, since we have a great high priest. One of the ways to pray wrongly is to pray upside down, to start with little me and my needs, and then to try and work up into God's presence. But to, to start with, and there was a sense of that this morning, wasn't there, as we were worshipping, when you focus on God, how many times in this letter does he write, fix your eyes on Jesus? Fix your thoughts on Jesus. And because from there, there's a sense of confidence that we don't pray because the need is great. We pray because our God is great. We have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. We're going to think about those words uh, in just a moment. <coughs> Uh, as some of you uh, may know, I've been reading a book called uh, Before Amen by Max Licardo. I really commend it to you. It's a fantastic little book looking at prayer. Um, there's the first sort of two-thirds of it are, are what he's written, and then the final third is just sort of study thoughts. If you're the kind of person that meets up with others and talks about the book that you're reading, there's some great thoughts and questions in that. And he talks about a time when they were praying earnestly uh, as a church, trying to learn this, this way, this rhythm of prayer. Uh, and somebody from their fellowship uh, was knocked over. And so instinctively, the, church, uh, the members of the church that were there uh, said, come, can we pray for this person? Uh, and so the medical team that had arrived said, well, well, we'll carry on doing what we're doing, but we don't want to stop you praying. And so they were praying earnestly. Uh, but this man had to be taken away in the ambulance to the hospital. And so they kept on praying. They spread the word uh, around the church. We, we need to pray. And then came the day when he woke up out of the coma that he was in and described what he saw. And he said it was almost like God allowed him to see the prayers that were being offered. He said, I was in this place that was dark, but there was this light that was coming up, a shaft of light, first one and then three and then five, and eventually the whole place just filled with light. And at that point, I, I woke back up. John records for us in, in the vision that he has of heaven that the prayers of the saints are like sweet-smelling incense that rise to the throne of God. We don't just pray because Jesus is with us through the challenges of life. We don't just pray because he's our friend. We pray because we have a great high priest who's ascended into the heavens. And we can call down help. We can call down strength uh, from there. Don't involve him too late. Another way in which I think we can pray, uh, a way that is not to pray, uh, is about informing God too much. I don't know if you've done this uh, in your life, when you've been praying about something, and it hasn't sort of worked in the way you wanted it to, it hasn't transpired that the change that you were longing for and asking for has come, and so you think, well, maybe I'll just keep asking more, because God clearly hasn't understood how much I need this to happen. And we can try in prayer sometimes to educate God about things, can't we? You know, God, you don't understand. <laughs> I need this job, or I need this car, or whatever it is, I, I, I need it. 
You don't understand. Sometimes we can turn prayer into our time to inform God of the things that we think should be high on his agenda. Well, these words tell us otherwise. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. We don't pray because God doesn't understand. We pray because he does understand. This great high priest, this savior that we have, empathizes with our, our weaknesses. Uh, we've got a, a dog, a chocolate Labrador, called Georgie. And for a while, she's had a, a pain in one of her back legs, as Labradors often do. And uh, we've got some painkillers for her, and they didn't seem to make any difference. And uh, so just, just this last week, we, we took her back to the vets, and she had a, uh, an x-ray. Uh, expensive things, these dogs, just to warn you if you're going to get one. Uh, and uh, so they, they had an x-ray taken. And at one point, the vet was talking us through the results. And he said, oh, do you want to come and see it? I'm like, yeah. Of course we do. It was amazing to see this thing uh, and amazing to know just from his knowledge of bones and ligaments and small bones, he could name them all. And sometimes we think that we've got got to inform God when he sees us right down to that level. I love what the psalmist says, God, you've searched me and you know me. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You're familiar with all my ways. God has an X-ray knowledge of who we are. And these verses, of course, go further than that and say that, yes, that's God's knowledge, but that is only enhanced, it's only increased by the fact that we have one who was made like us in every way, tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. These, I think are some of the most staggering words written about Jesus. One one, it tells me that it's not a sin to be tempted. Jesus faced the same temptations that we do. He doesn't just know the situations. He he knows the struggle. He empathizes with us right at our weakest. And we don't have to inform him of those things. We just have to bring them to him. He already understands, yet... He did not sin. And those words are going to be really important uh, in just a moment. One of the things I think that we can be guilty of thinking in the Christian life is when things don't happen because of prayers that we've offered, that there's not something that's just wrong with the way that we pray, uh, but there's something wrong somehow with us. I don't know if you've ever felt that at times. Uh, If I was closer to God, I'd get the answer to prayers I needed. You know, if, there was, if I was living a perfect life, praying every day, reading my scriptures every day, then surely God would hear and answer the prayers. And sometimes we can turn prayer into a kind of a companion of, I, I need to impress God. There are sometimes conversations I've had with people and I've said, you know, how's the Lord led you or spoken to you as you've been praying about it? And they've sort of said, well, I, I'm not really praying at the moment. I'm not in a great place with God. We kind of hold those two things together, don't we? That I need to be in a good place with God before I can pray, before I can ask him for for certain things. Uh, It's not about impressing God. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Who doesn't want to be more confident in prayer? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. 
in the Old Testament, the picture is of a mercy seat, a place where you would bring your needs before God. In the New Testament, it's a very similar image, a throne of grace. Let's come, he says, with confidence to the throne of grace. Uh, And there's a reason that we have for that confidence. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews was contrasting uh, the old way of approaching God, which was kind of corporate, really. You came uh, as a people together, and and there was a very uh, formal aspect to it. Uh, The priest would would stand over your sacrifice that you brought and inspect it. Your your sacrifice uh, couldn't be from an animal that was kind of damaged. We couldn't bring Georgie to be sacrificed. That would not be good enough. It couldn't be an animal that you couldn't sell uh, or trade or or breed anyway. It has to be a a perfect animal. It has to be born without birth defects or have any injuries. And the priest would stand and look at your sacrifice and see if it was good enough, see if it was perfect enough. And so there was a real sense often for people as they came to the temple of, of nervousness of what's going to happen if I go and stand at the altar with the line of people that are waiting, and the priest looks at mine, and for some reason that I don't know about, I've not spotted, he says, no, I can't, I can't sacrifice this animal. And so until that moment was over in these big annual festivals and the big services, there was a sense of, of nervousness. And that's why he talks about coming with, with confidence. He says the priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Have you ever had to stand for a really long period of time? Did you see in the Jubilee celebrations those poor guards that were dressed up with all kinds of stuff that just must have been boiling in the heat, having to stand there for hours and hours and hours. You see some of them, don't you, just doing the, the kind of the sway and get a nudge off their mate of, you just stay with us. You're standing, it can be really tiring. Doing something again and again and again can be exhausting. And the writer here tells us every priest stood performed the duty again and again and again. But when this priest, that's Jesus, had offered one for all time one sacrifice for sins, that's the cross, he sat down. We have a priest who sat down. His work is finished. The sacrifice has been offered and accepted. He sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And sometimes when I put words up on the PowerPoint, there's certain ones I want to highlight. I I could just highlight all of that. That's incredible. For by one sacrifice, the power of the blood of Jesus, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Now, that can be confusing for us to kind of work out the, the tense, the present, and the past, and the future tense in this. But the reality is, we see the process of being made holy as we uh, read the scriptures, as we try to live a life of obedience to following Jesus, as the Holy Spirit convicts us and changes us. We're being made holy. But these verses point out here that through the cross, Jesus, uh, God sees the product, He sees the outcome been made perfect forever. Prayer is not about impressing God. Jesus drew a a sharp distinction, didn't he, when the disciples asked him how to pray. 
And I, I often find that fascinating. Of everything they saw Jesus do, the only thing they asked for a tutorial on was prayer. It wasn't, how do I raise the dead? Or how do I still the storm? Or how do I preach? The one thing we know they asked specifically on is, help us pray. Teach us to pray like you do. And when he does, he draws this sharp contrast between people that love to stand in public places and parade their prayers. You know, the professional prayers. You feel like you've had a sermon in someone's prayer sometimes, don't you? And Jesus says they think they will be heard because of their many words. But your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask. Prayer is not another way in which we need to impress God. We do not need to try and impress God before we pray in order to get answers to prayer. It's really clear. We have been made perfect forever by one sacrifice. Therefore, through the blood of Jesus, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. That's the gospel. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. At some point, we have to start believing what we sing, right? At some start, sometime, we have to start believing in our own salvation. <laughs> this is the gospel. And although we are so aware of ourselves, of our failings, of our weaknesses, of our shame, of our thought life, None of those transcend what has been said about us. It's so important that we grasp this, that what God says about us is so much more important than not just what anybody else has said about us, but what we say about us. Made perfect forever. That's why we pray. Because there is a new and living way. Sometimes we talk about prayer being the last option, don't we? Well, there's nothing left to do, but it's not the last option. It's a glorious opportunity. It's not about impressing God. And then finally, it's not about instructing God. These words again, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. Now look at what we promised, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In prayer, we receive from God, but it is not always what we came looking for. I cannot stand here and promise you that if you name it and claim it, it's going to happen. I cannot stand here and promise you that if you give more to the offerings, then God will have to answer your prayer. And I have to say, I'm just so disappointed that that teaching seems to be so prevalent in the church today, and I would not be doing my job if I told you it's not true. But what we are promised is mercy and grace to help in time of need. And so our, our prayers are not about us instructing God. God, here is what I need you to do. It's not how prayer works. Prayer is meant to be this dynamic, living, ongoing relationship. And I've often thought about that. that, that, that that's what God is after. He wants me to know the, the deep things of his heart, and he wants me to open the deep things of my heart to God. And the fact that I don't always get what I want when I pray means that I can be more bold. I can be more confident knowing that I've handed it over to God and that he will do what is right for me. He will do only what is best for me 
He knows what I need before I ask. He's about answering my prayers before I even ask them. Uh, And there's this confidence that we receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Mercy. We don't get what we should deserve. And grace. We get what we don't deserve. That's that's what we're promised. And that grace will have an an outworking in, in your life. And outworking in the way that the Lord blesses you and gifts you and, and leads you. I was reading in this book before Amen. Sometimes we pray for God to intervene dramatically in a situation, don't we? Sometimes we pray for healing. And Max Licardo, who's told this amazing story, as I recounted for you before, then talks about the pain of, of unanswered prayer, uh, prayer. Of times when, when God doesn't do what we would hope. And he talks about God offering healing in in three different ways. He says sometimes God will heal us instantly. There are those moments when when God will do that. And I will always ask for that if, 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 if that's what the situation calls for. Sometimes God will heal us gradually. And we see that as well, don't we? You know, it's not a lack of faith to pray that God would work through a medical situation, through other scenarios. I often think those kind of things often go unnoticed. You know, we pray about a situation, and just because it wasn't a dramatic instant healing, we don't think God's been involved in it. You know, it's interesting, isn't it, when the ten lepers come to Jesus for healing, and he sends them to go show themselves to the priest, and on the way they're healed. How many of those ten come back to thank him? One. And how often am I guilty of that in my life, of, of praying about something and then walking into a better situation without stopping to go, thank you for that. That was you that did that. I asked and and received from you. Sometimes it's instant. Sometimes it's gradual. Then Max Licardo writes, sometimes he heals us ultimately. That the ultimate healing is to be released from this body of restriction and limitation and frustration. And to be lifted into that place where there is no sickness. Where there is no death. Where there's no crying or mourning or pain. Because the old order of things has passed away. Sometimes he heals us ultimately in the mystery of his will, the mystery of how his will unfolds through all of our lives together. Sometimes it's instant, sometimes it's gradual, sometimes it's it's ultimate healing that he he offers. What prayer is not, is it's not instructing God. It is the opening of our hearts to God, and then there's mercy, and then there's grace to help in time of need. And so what I want us to do today is just to come and to bring our prayers before God today. And uh, as you stop and look at that list, maybe there's something that that just resonates with you. Maybe there's something that you've struggled with. Maybe it's something, maybe there's a couple of things. Uh, And so I just want to leave some space, some silence where we can offer those things to God. Uh, So let's just do that. Let's just turn our hearts towards God.